Having thus taken an eye for an eye, Poutrecourt began his homeward voyage, and, after three or four escapes from shipwreck, reached Port Royal on November 14. Champlain was now about to spend his last winter in Acadia. Mindful of former experiences, he determined to fight scurvy by encouraging exercise among the colonists and procuring for them an improved diet. A third desideratum was cheerfulness. All these purposes he served through founding the Ordre de Bontemps, which proved to be in every sense the life of the settlement. Champlain himself briefly describes the procedure followed, but a far more graphic account is given by Le Carbeau, whose diffuse and lively style is illustrated to perfection in the following passage. To keep our table joyous and well provided, an order was established at the board of the said Monsieur de Poutrecourt, which was called the Order of Good Cheer, originally proposed by Champlain. To this order each man of the said table was appointed chief steward in his turn, which came round once a fortnight. Now this person had the duty of taking care that we were all well and honorably provided for. This was so well carried out that though the epicures of Paris often tell us that we had no rue aux heures over there, as a rule we made as good cheer as we could have in this same rue aux heures, and at less cost. For there was no one who, two days before his turn came, failed to go hunting or fishing, and to bring back some delicacy in addition to our ordinary fare. So well was this carried out that never at breakfast did we lack some savory meat of flesh or fish, and still less at our midday or evening meals, for that was our chief banquet, at which the ruler of the feast, or chief butler, whom the savages called Atokajek, having had everything prepared by the cook, marched in, napkin on shoulder, wand of office in hand, and around his neck the collar of the order, which was worth more than four crowns, after him all the members of the order carrying each a dish. The same was repeated at dessert, though not always with so much pomp and at night, before giving thanks to God, he handed over to his successor in the charge the collar of the order, with a cup of wine, and they drank to each other. I have already said that we had abundance of game, such as ducks, bustards, grey and white geese, partridges, larks, and other birds, moreover moose, caribou, beaver, otter, bear, rabbits, wildcats, raccoons, and other animals, such as the savages caught whereof we made dishes well worth those of the cook-shop in the Rue aux Heures, and far more. For of all our meats none is so tender as moose-meat, whereof we also made excellent pasties, and nothing so delicate as beaver's tail. Yea, sometimes we had half a dozen sturgeon at once, which the savages brought us, part of which we bought, and allowed them to sell the remainder publicly, and to barter it for bread, of which our men had abundance. As for the ordinary rations brought from France, they were distributed equally to great and small alike, and, as we have said, the wine was served in like manner. The results of this regime were most gratifying. The deaths from scurvy dropped to seven, which represented a great proportionate decrease. At the same time, intercourse with the Indians was put on a good basis thereby. At these proceedings, says Le Carbeau, we always had twenty or thirty savages, men, women, girls, and children, who looked on at our manner of service. Bread was given them gratis, as one would do to the poor. But as for the Sagamos Membertu, and other chiefs who came from time to time, they sat at table eating and drinking like ourselves, and we were glad to see them, while on the contrary their absence saddened us. These citations bring into view the writer who has most copiously recorded the early annals of Acadia, Marc Le Carbeau. He was a lawyer, and at this date about forty years old. 
Having come to Port Royal less as a colonist than as a guest of Poutrincourt, he had no investment at stake. But contact with America kindled the enthusiasm of which he had a large supply, and converted him into the historian of New France. His story of the winter he passed at Port Royal is quite unlike other narratives of colonial experience at this period. Champlain was a geographer and preoccupied with exploration. The Jesuits were missionaries and preoccupied with the conversion of the savages. Lescarbot had a literary education, which Champlain lacked, and, unlike the Jesuits, he approached life in America from the standpoint of a layman. His prolixity often serves as a foil to the terseness of Champlain, and suggests that he must have been a merciless talker. Yet, though inclined to be garrulous, he was a good observer and had many correct ideas, notably the belief that corn, wine, and cattle are a better foundation for a colony than gold or silver mines. In temperament, he and Champlain were very dissimilar, and evidence of mutual coolness may be found in their writings. These we shall consider at a later stage. For the present, it is enough to note that both men sat at Poutrincourt's table and adorned the order of good cheer. Meanwhile, de Mont was in France, striving with all the foes of the monopoly. Thanks to the fur trade, his company had paid its way during the first two years, despite the losses at St. Croix. The third season had been much less prosperous, and at the same moment when the Dutch and the Basques were breaking the monopoly by defiance, the Hatters of Paris were demanding that it should be withdrawn altogether. Footnote. Basques. Traders from the extreme south of France, whose chief port was Saint-Jean-de-Luz. Though living on the confines of France and Spain, the Basques were of different racial origin from both Spaniards and French. While subject politically to France, the remoteness from the main ports of Normandy and Brittany kept them out of touch with the mariners of Saint-Malo and Havre, save as collision arose between them and the Saint Lawrence. Among the Basques there were always interlopers, even when Saint-Jean-de-Luz had been given a share in the monopoly. They are sometimes called Spaniards, from their close neighborhood to the Pyrenees. To this alliance of a powerful guild with the majority of the traders, the company of de Mont succumbed, and the news which Poutrincourt received when the first ship came in 1607 was that the colony must be abandoned. As the company itself was about to be dissolved, this consequence was inevitable. Champlain, in his matter-of-fact way, states that de Mont sent letters to Poutrincourt, by which he described him to bring back his company to France. Le Carbeau is much more outspoken. Referring to the merits and struggles of de Mont, he exclaims, Yet I fear that in the end he may be forced to give it all up, to the great scandal and reproach of the French name, which by such conduct is made a laughing-stock and a byword among the nations. For as though their wish was to oppose the conversion of those poor western peoples, and the glory of God and of the king, we find a set of men full of avarice and envy, who would not draw a sword in the service of the king, nor suffer the slightest ill in the world for the honor of God, but who yet put obstacles in the way of our drawing any profit from the province, even in order to furnish what is indispensable to the foundation of such an enterprise. Men who prefer to see the English and Dutch win possession of it, rather than the French, and would fain have the name of God remain unknown in those quarters. And it is such godless people who are listened to, who are believed, and who win their suits. O tempora, o mores. On August 11, 1607, Port Royal was abandoned for the second time, and its people, sailing by Cape Breton, reached Roscou in Brittany at the end of September. 
The subsequent attempt of Poutrecourt and his family to re-establish the colony at Port Royal belongs to the history of Acadia rather than to the story of Champlain. But remembering the spirit in which he and de Mont strove, one feels glad that Lescarbot spoke his mind regarding the opponents who baffled their sincere and persistent efforts. End of chapter 2